All right, the ushers are going to come down before the message. We're taking a special offering. Anything we get today with, uh, with our food sales and, and the special offering is going to go to Brother Board and the team in Cambodia. So we'll take that offering before the message. If you're not prepared, you can also go to Simple Give and give that way. <coughs> Let's pray. Father, we thank you for uh, <coughs> the work that's being done by our team in Cambodia. We pray you'd bless now this offering. Lord, may we in a small way be a blessing to them and help them to get this, these buildings done so that they can uh, continue to reach Cambodia with the gospel. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you, Jessica. Okay, we're in the book of Micah for a little bit. That's going to be a jumping point for us this morning. Of course, I know you all know where the book of Micah was when he asked for you to turn to it, right? Some of you, if you're saying, I'm new at Christianity, and sometimes you name these books, and I don't know how to get to them. Open up your Bible to the front and find the table of contents, okay? Or you could do the total cheat code, right? Get the little tab things on there, so it's like, boom, there it is. So, you know, it's Genesis, Exodus, blah, 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 Micah. So, thank you for being there. You know, in, in all areas of life, there has to be some type of way uh, to measure how things are going. Yeah. Right? All businesses have it. Um, there's something in sports now, it's kind of controversial, or somebody, how, how many have ever heard of analytics, yeah. right? Analytics, uh, the Oakland A's, they, they just, they're a baseball team, they can't compete financially with the other teams. Years ago, they came up with this system that they tracked other things to find players that, that other teams didn't. Most teams, it's like batting average, home runs, RBIs. They were tracking other things, like who do you draft? It's better to draft a college player than it is a high school player because it takes longer for him to develop, costs more money. And they came up with all these different things that would not be normal. But the whole point is they found a way of, of, of analyzing something to say, hey, how does this really work? Is it really, is it really going well? How is it telling how things are going. That's true of anything. <coughs> you go to a doctor, right? First thing they're going to do is they're going to do baseline, you know, no matter what you go in for, like, hey, you know, I, I slice my foot open. It's like, okay, let me check your breathing. Let me check your heart rate. Let me get your blood pressure. And it's like, no, I need stitches. Just let's just do that. They want to check the baseline things to make sure everything's okay. Well, there should be a way to take our spiritual temperature as well. And I'm going to give you a way that sometimes we don't really think about. The book of Micah <coughs> is what we call one of the minor prophets. 
It's not minor in the sense that it's not as important as, as the others, but it's one of the, it's, it's the books, those 12 last books of the Old Testament that are maybe not as long as the other prophet books. And so they call them the minor prophets. He was a prophet to Judah about the time of, that Isaiah was alive. He was a prophet in the times that were leading up to the Babylonian captivity. God would send his prophets to try to turn the people back to God, but in this instance here, they were so far gone, God is giving them warnings of how they should act and relate uh, to the Babylonian captivity that was coming. But as we get to chapter 3, the verses we read, we see a big part of the reason as a whole that the nation had turned from God why they were having all the problems that they had. <coughs> Some of them, by the way, seem like they could be talking to us today. Look at verse 1 of chapter 3. And I said, Here I pray, O heads of Jacob and ye princes of the house of Israel, is it not time for you to know judgment? He's calling out the political leaders. He says, You guys are in charge, and you don't even know how to judge correctly. Now, I'm not, that's, that's, that's like... That's like shooting fish in a barrel, right? That's, that's an easy one. Our political leaders have no clue as to what is right and wrong. They know better. The political leaders, as our leaders are today, just to be real honest with you, they're trying to push wickedness on society. But it was worse than that. Look at verse 5. <clears throat> Thus saith the Lord concerning the prophets, look at those next five words, that make my people err. Not only were the political leaders corrupt, so were the spiritual leaders. They were worse. They were, they were not standing up and, and preaching and teaching the way they should. In fact, they were acting in such a way that they made the people to go the wrong direction. By the way, I can go on and on like that. Notice how bad their problem was. The political leaders were trying to force wrong on society, and the prophetical or the spiritual leaders were feeding that stuff to the people. You probably don't notice that. I keep track of it. The kind of stuff that's going on in churches is perverse today. Really, if you take the word church off of it and listen to it, it's nothing worse than a corrupt politician trying to push evil on people. It's like, by the way, there's a really easy cure for that. Let's just read the Bible and see what it says. But that's not the message. <clears throat> the politicians were legislating wickedness, and their spiritual leaders or the preachers were lack with it. But that's not what God wanted. Here's what God wanted. He wanted his people to know what was right so they would follow it. Look at verse 8. We talk about the power of God, and, and pastors and I go like, I want God's power in our church and in our life, and as we preach, okay, what does that involve? Look at verse 8. He said, but truly I am full of power by the Spirit of God. By the way, that's the only place power comes from. And of judgment and of might to declare unto Jacob his transgression and to Israel his sin. One of the things he said is, if God's power was really working in our society, if it was really working through our churches and our leaders, they would stand up and let you know what was wrong. That doesn't go over very well. But it's very needed. So what was the problem? Here's the thermometer that can show us where our spiritual temperature is with all this. Look at verse 2. 
as he was speaking, first of all, to the, spiritual, to the political leaders, here's what he said. And it could be said of all the people who hate the good and love the evil. I read that and I'm like, that's the, that's the, that's the temperature right there. That's the barometer right there. I can tell <coughs> how spiritual someone is. I can tell how spiritual I am by what do I think about that which is right and what do I think about that which is wrong. Because the Bible is explicitly clear as to how we should see those things. How do you see good and evil? By the way, you say, okay, well, pastor, how do you, de how do you decide what is good and what is evil? See, that's our problem in our society. There is no barometer to decide that. It used to be, and I'm not, you know, like, let's go back in old times. I'm not saying that. But it used to be back in the day, even people that disagreed realized that the Bible was the, the determining factor. That the Bible was the one, is if we don't have a place where we can say that tells me what's right, that tells me what's wrong, then you know who becomes the deciding factor? Us. I decide what's right for me. I decide what's wrong for me. I can do that, but can I just tell you something? Just because I say something's right, just because I say something wrong, doesn't make it wrong unless God says it's right, unless God says it's wrong. And so now our society has been pushing that now in our college campuses for years and we have a generation that grew up, but now they're pushing it that if you don't believe what they believe, you ought to just be quiet. It used to be like, just leave us alone to believe what we want, but now it's like, well, you disagree, I don't want to hear it. But that's not, you know, really where we're going here. But God determines what's right and wrong. Good is what God says is good. <clears throat> evil or wrong is what God says is wrong. And let me just say that these things cannot coexist. Yeah. It's impossible. Light and darkness don't coexist. If you go into a dark room and you turn on the light, darkness disappears. If you turn off the light, darkness takes over. They cannot. <clears throat> With the proliferation of our entertainment, the internet, social media, the lines of good and evil have been blurred. Our society does everything you, they can to make us see bad and make it normal. They come up with excuses to why it's okay. The world endlessly does everything it can to make good look bad. Yeah. I mean, so, look, someone's a good person, there's something wrong with them. I mean, if you look at a young person and a young person doesn't want to be involved in immorality, they want to live their lives and, and, and be pure, they're looked at like some kind of nutcase. By the way, in churches they are too. That's very sad. By the way, <coughs> society is super hypocritical. The same people that will tell you that you cannot force good that you believe on others turn around and try to force what they believe on you. But that's not the message. The message is we're confused about good and evil in God's house. So let's take our <coughs> spiritual temperature this morning. I want to give you <coughs> from other places of scripture and from here how we can gauge our temperature by gauging what we see about right and wrong. You see, there are areas that show spiritual vital signs. How we see right and wrong shows us five vital signs. First of all, 
the vital sign of spiritual judgment. That's what he said in verse 1 and 2. Hey, you leaders, you, you don't know how to judge. You hate good, you hate evil. So what's our spiritual judgment level? See, you say, well, pastor, I don't like that word judge. Doesn't the Bible say judge not? You have no clue what that means. Judging someone is judging their motives. Judging things about them, I have no right to judge. But to get up and say, God says that, that's wrong, that's not, that's not judging. That's called truth. You say, well, pastor, I don't get that. Jesus said this, the words that I speak, they shall judge you. So what? Uh, how many of you ever got a ticket? Not to a game, right? You know, you get pulled over, and look, I respect police officers. Well, that was weak. <coughs> they pull me over. <laughs> it's like, do you know what you did wrong? I'm like, yes, sir. I got, well, I almost got one in Washington, but he let me go. We had a disagreement there. But uh, I was coming off the freeway a couple, a couple Christmases ago, and I, and, and I wasn't paying attention. I just was turning at, at a signal, and, and um, the cars to my left weren't moving, Jesse. So I thought, okay, cool. And I turned, and then I realized it was a red light. Mr. Sealby's police officer pulled me over. He says, do you know why I pulled you? I said, yes, sir. I said, I, it's my fault. I thought I saw the cars parked and the, the light. I thought I could turn, and then I saw that it was red, and then I saw you, and I'm like, here we go. I said, yes, and I was so kind. And I thought, sometimes you're kind to them. They're like, you know, I'll let you go this time. But he let me go after he said, sign here. <laughs> and you know what made it worse? After I signed the ticket, he goes, you know, he goes, I appreciate you being so respectful and kind to me. I'm like, well, if you really appreciate it, you wouldn't have given me the ticket. <laughs> but I didn't say, like, wait a minute. Brother, you're judging me. There was no cars there. I mean, the cars were stopped. How dare you judge me? He didn't judge me. The law judged me. I'm not going to argue with it because I was wrong. Only time in my life, but it was true. <coughs> but you know, there ought to be some spiritual judgment. It's not judging to say, God says that's wrong. It's not judging to say, God says that's that right. Now, I'm not saying you jump up in someone's face, oh, that's not our responsibility. Well, your church is judgmental. No, nope, we just believe the Bible. So it's a sign of spirit. And by the way, there has to be judgment. There has to be like, you know what? That's wrong. Why are we afraid to say that? You, you know, you're going to treat your kids like that? Little bunny foo-foo decides, I want to do this? It's like, no, you're not doing it. That's wrong. So they hated, they didn't know judgment because they hated the good and they loved the evil. So it's a sign of really bad judgment. Usually when someone says judge not, it's because they want to excuse their wrong behavior and they're choosing the wrong. Secondly, it's a sign of spiritual power. You can turn there. I'm going to start talking before you do. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 8 and 9. Speaking of Jesus, it says this. But unto the Son he saith, thy throne, O God, to the Son. Hmm, thy throne, O God, is forever or ever. <coughs> a sepulcher of righteousness is the sepulcher of thy kingdom. 
Now, here's what it says about Jesus. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore, God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. Now, part of anointing is God's power and his presence in our life. Oh, you know, Jesus was just so, you know, graceful. He is. But the Bible says he hated iniquity and he loved righteousness. You want to be like Jesus? Oh, now we don't. What would Jesus do? He hated that which was bad. What would Jesus do? He loved that which was good. And he didn't confuse the two. You really want God to work in your life? Then you had better hate that which is wrong and love that which is good. Now, notice I didn't say hate people who are doing wrong. There's nothing right about that. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Okay? People are not my enemy. They may act like it, but they're not. (coughs) But we're supposed to hate that which is wrong. Jesus did. (coughs) Say, well, he loved the world. Just because he loved the world didn't mean he hated that which was wrong. Do you understand those two go together? I think it was Spurgeon that said you can't love roses if you don't hate weeds. Because weeds kill roses. Now, I don't like roses anyhow. But that's the point. I'm so tired of this this cool kind of Christianity that tries to take everything that's wrong and make it okay. Well, you know, it's just the grace of God. I love God's grace. By the way, let me tell you about Jesus here. John chapter 1, verse 14. (coughs) And the word, speaking of Jesus, was made flesh. And he dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father. Here we go. You ready? Full of grace. Oh, I love his, and truth. Verse 17. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. It is not, it's not compassion to believe, it's not wrong to believe that a certain lifestyle is wrong. Okay, it's not condemning when you love people because they go together. By the way, if you're a doctor and you care about people, you're going to hate the diseases that that hurt them. Do you understand that? We use grace as an excuse to believe it is okay to be involved in things that are destructive and detrimental to our life. And Jesus wasn't like that. He goes, yes, I love you. Yes, you have grace, but there's truth to balance the grace. Compassion and conviction go together. What did he tell the woman that was caught in the very act of adultery? They were just trying, they were just trying to set her up, and Jesus showed them for who they were. They all left, and Jesus looks around at her and says, where's those that were condemning you? She goes, they're gone. He goes, neither do I condemn thee. That's grace. You know what truth said? Go and sin no more. He said, look, I'm not going to condemn you. I came here to show his grace, but don't continue in that lifestyle. That's, that's, that's God's power. If you are, let me just say this. If you are lax on your view of sin, you are lacking in the power of the Spirit. I don't care how loud you sing. I don't care how much you praise God. 
If you leave this place and you forget about God the rest of the week, something is wrong. Something is wrong. Let's not bring spirituality down to our level. Let's get up to spirituality's level. And I believe it. Look, <coughs> come as you are. Don't stay as you were. I'm glad when I went to church, I sat there and I had no clue what church was like. And the pastor got up and had a fit. And I'm like, whoa. He's, he's, he's hoeing in my garden. He's getting a little bit too close to where I live. But it was good for me. It was stuff that I needed to deal with. Next, <clears throat> it's a sign of spiritual <coughs> wisdom. You can flip over there. <coughs> Romans chapter 16, verse 17 to 19. <clears throat> I'll start reading it while you flip if you want to go there. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned and avoid them. Look at what he says. He says, hey, be careful. People that are causing problems and, and troubles and they're trying to hurt you in your Christian life, know who they are. And, and if they're destructive, kind of stay away from them. For they are such that serve not our Lord Jesus, but their own belly, and by good words and fair speeches deserve they, deceive they the hearts of the simple. By the way, that's going on in Christianity. Oh, I love Jesus, but come on, you can do that stuff. Don't be such a, you know, a, 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 what are you, a choir boy? Well, if you're a boy and you sing the choir, I guess you are a choir boy. But you know, they're going to, oh, you can do that stuff. I mean, uh, yeah, I used to believe, but uh, that's like, hey, stop that nonsense. Because watch those kind of people that try to take that and marry it with Christianity. It's not, it's, not re it's not legit. But then look what he says. For your obedience has come unto me. He goes, I've heard that you're trying to be obedient. He goes, and everybody else is hearing about your obedience. He says, I am glad, therefore, on your behalf. But, here, now, now these were people that were already doing good. They were trying to stay away from people that were going to push them the wrong direction. They were trying to take people that were trying to, you know, criticize their Christianity and do their own thing and live in the world and live in church, and they're doing the right thing. But he says, but there's something else you need to do. Make sure. I am glad they're on your behalf, but yet I would have you. Hey, make sure you do this. Wise unto that which is good and simple concerning evil. He goes, let's go a step further. You don't have to know everything that's evil in this world, but you ought to know everything that's good. You know what? We know everything. <coughs> we do. Kids nowadays know things that, that would used to make adults blush. And, and this entertainment and all this nonsense, and parents, you, you need to take your heads out of the sand. <coughs> You're responsible for what your kids see. One of the reasons our country is in moral decay is because years ago we started sex education in school. And it's worse. I remember the first time I, was, I went to Bret Hart, fifth grade. They made my mom sign a paper. They don't even do that anymore. And, then, and, and it wasn't even, <coughs> I mean, it wasn't, <coughs> we didn't need to know what it was, but I mean. And then the teacher got mad because we're boys. We started calling each other all those names that we learned. And then she called us in the room, and she chewed us out and said, why in the world would you act and talk like that? And none of us had the guts to say, you showed us the video. Do you know what they're teaching kids now? And I'm not talking about fifth grade. I'm talking about four, five-year-olds. You say, Pastor, I, don't, I, don't, I just don't believe that. Get your hair out of the sand and go look. Your kids know stuff adults shouldn't know. 
We know too much garbage. Everything on that screen and all that stuff, they're just showing junk and they're trying to make it normal. They're not showing you the, they're not uplift. Look, the days of Andy Griffith are over. By the way, Opie still needs a swat today, man. That guy's as liberal as left field. Once he got away from Andy, the kid went to the devil. But they used to, how many, spank the kid? It's like, teach him moral lessons? Those days aren't over. They mock that stuff now. By the way, so I'm I'm watching my kids, what are they listening to? (laughs) All this junk. Social media, all of it, it's just nothing but good. The average Christian knows more about the garbage of the world than they do the word of God. Let's just be honest. You know, pastor, I just, the word of God, it's just so hard to understand. And yet you know everything about your favorite television show. Don't give me that garbage. I'm not trying to be mean, but the Spirit's taking utterance this morning. You know what it is? It's a matter of motivation. It's just motivation. You don't know the Bible because you're just not motivated to know it. See? I talked to you about your favorite football team. He has this many touchdowns. He has this many interceptions. Okay, good, good. He's throwing the other team. God bless him. He's being a Christian. But we don't know anything about the Bible. But if we were motivated, we could learn so much more. And if we know of the, more of this world than the word, then we're going to struggle. Fourth, i got to hurry. It's a sign of spiritual growth. <coughs> I won't spend a lot of time on this, but we talked about it. Hebrews 5.14, he was talking about (coughs) maturity. And he goes, strong meat, that's really understanding the deep things of the Bible, belongeth to them that are of full age, mature Christians. They've learned and they've kind of built that stuff. Even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Here's what happens. If you learn the word of God and you want to make it a part of your life, you know what happens? The more you do that, the more you understand that's wrong and that's right. That's wrong and that's right. Right Right-handed. That's it. You say, but pastor, I'm struggling with understanding what's right and wrong. Because you're not, not me, this is the Bible, because you're not committed to living the truth that you're learning. That's part of it. When you're living the truth and learning it, you know what happens? You become discerning. Like, you know what? That's wrong. That's, that's a sign of growth. You say, Pastor, am I growing as a Christian? Let me ask you this. Are you noticing some things that you used to think were okay or things that you didn't see? And now it's like, hey, wait a minute. That leads down a wrong path. Or some things that you used to not understand and you see it here and it's like, hey, that's actually a good thing to do. It's a sign of spiritual The result of maturity, of living what we learned, we have an understanding of whether or not something is good or something is evil. Okay? And by the way, we have this infatuation with learning, and we think that the end-all, catch-all, and I don't mean to pop your little balloons, but we we need a reality check. I just want my kids to go to college and learn what? And learn how to sit there as many of our major colleges have this last week and have a bunch of spoiled brats sit there and back a group that's raping women and, children, and, and killing children. And that's their side. Those kids have no clue as to what real, reality is and our average college is nothing more than a cesspool yep. teaching that garbage. Yep. And you're going to pay thousands of dollars for that? Not me. 
That didn't go over very well, but I'm sorry. The truth usually does it. I'd rather my kid be a plumber. There's nothing, actually, plumbers make good money. Man, I want to be a plumber. You need a helper? I'm in. <coughs> Come on. Well, they have a degree. A degree in what? Stupidity? They come out of college thinking that evil is good. And good is crazy. And by the way, they, they're not even teaching. The, they can't even think anymore. You ever seen those videos? I'll ask the kids, common sense question. They look at you like, oh, uh, like the wheel's turning, but the hamster died a long time ago. Okay, last. And we, we, and we, we just mentioned this. It is a sign of spiritual discernment. <coughs> In Ezekiel, one of the things that the prophet was supposed to do, here it is. Ezekiel 44, 23, and they shall teach my people the difference between the holy and the profane and cause them to discern between the clean and the unclean. By the way, you're an immature Christian if there's something that's, got, that's wrong and is sinful and you're like, what's wrong with that? Really? Discernment. You know what discernment is? I can see it. If I take that course of action, I'm going to end up here, and that's not a good place to end up. We have no spiritual discernments. One, and by the way, you know why? Because we don't want to put a difference between the holy and the profane. You know what? Hey, that's bad, and this is good. There's a gap. I believe in the gap theory. Most gaps are between our ears, but I believe in the gap theory. Okay? That was a joke. It's like, here's the gap. That's bad. That's good, and there's a huge difference between the two. Christianity says, it's, let's just throw it in a blender and throw Jesus on it. <laughs> Go to the average church. It's a Hollywood promotion. Looks like a nightclub. They come out there. They want to, by the way, and you say, I don't get this. I do. I look at it. They bring secular music in to teach a truth. Look, I don't need Snoop Dogg to teach me the Bible. I don't, okay, I, I don't need any of that stuff. I mentioned this summer, I don't know how many churches I heard in the summer, their sermon series is truth from the movies. What? Don't we have a Bible? You know, Barbie in the book? What book? Let me end this, and I'll really pop some balloons today, but don't throw darts at me. I saw an article this week, Joseph, a Christian magazine, and here was the story. Seven truths I learned at a Taylor Swift concert. This middle-aged feminine fanboy trying to tell me what I can learn about God from Taylor Swift. I can tell you, run! And by the way, if you don't understand that, I'm just telling you. I don't know her, and I don't want to know her, but I guarantee she's not in church this morning. I guarantee they don't have Bibles at her concerts. In fact, I've heard they've had other things. But I'm going to get up and say, you know, let me just tell you what God taught me at Taylor Swift concert. Number one, she needs to get dressed. Number two, she shouldn't have girls dancing behind her that look like Satanists. Okay, and nobody who's a Christian who loves God is going to go to it. I said it. There it is. 
You can clap on that one. Amen's better. Say, Pastor, I'm not going to go to our concerts. I know, but you're listening to her on your phone. Okay. There's something good in there. Here's the point. The point is, we are so confused about what is spirituality, it's not even funny. But I'm, And I'm not trying to be mean. It's kind of sounded like it today. I'm not. But here's the point. As I grow closer, to, look, and by the way, I will say this. That's the life I grew up in. That was me. By the way, I've been to concerts. I know that they're not, they're not you know, open your Bibles. I, I know how it works. Okay, I, I, I've been there, done that. But it's like, as I grew in the Lord, it's like, that's why that's wrong. That's why that's a bad decision to make. That's why that's a bad course of action. Yes, learn the stories of the Bible. Learn the truths of the Bible. But man, it's got to become part of your life. And as it does, you'll say, hey, I ought to avoid these things. It's not good for me. It's not good for my marriage. It's not good for my... I went from two to four. Oh, because you're going to have more than one kid. It's not good for your family. But boy, over here... This is super good. That's good for my marriage. That's good for my spiritual life. That's good for my children. <coughs> but that comes by getting into the word of God. So let's not be like the, <coughs> let's not make fun of stuff that's good and kind of, <laughs> it's stuff that's bad. We got to see it from God's perspective. Let's bow our head and close our eyes for a minute. Thank you for listening. So, as we grow in our faith, we've talked about this, I preach about it, God changes our life. But one of the ways he changes our life is because we now see things through spiritual eyes, right? The world tells you, you know, you look, there's so much garbage the world will tell you. Well, you know, um, you know if we're, we shouldn't get married first, we should live together first because then we got to see if we're compatible. God disagrees. God says get married before you touch each other. Okay, you know, it's just, you know, I'm at work and, you know, if I'm just a little bit deceitful, I can make a lot more money. No, God says be honest. God says be honest. You see, the world says, what's wrong with being a little deceitful? God says, it's bad. Just have some character, do what you're supposed to do, and I'll bless you. God says, don't touch, be committed first. And we go on and on. I didn't understand these things before. But when I got right with God and I started reading the Bible, I saw it. And so will you. So where are you at? <clears throat> By the way, if you're a new Christian, I probably dropped some things this morning that you're like, what is going on? Did, did that guy's wife make him sit on the couch, sleep on the couch? No, I just, I want us to get it. But as you grow, you'll learn more and you'll learn more and you will see what's going on in our society through God. That's a good place to be. Maybe you're here this morning. <coughs> and let me just say this. We'll never see good or evil if we're not Christians. We'll never understand the word of God until we've been born again. Here's what I mean by that. Are you saved today? Are you a Christian? You say, Pastor, how do I figure that out? <coughs> Here's a question. Are you 100% for sure if you were to die today, you'd go to heaven? Or do you have some doubt? any amount of doubt. You say, you know, pastor, that's me. I have some doubt. I'm not for I'm not 100% rock solid sure that I'm going to heaven when I die. But I'd like to know that with nobody looking around. 
If that's you, if you say, Pastor, that's me, pray for me, I'm not 100% for sure, just raise your hand. I'll see your hand and I'll, I'll, I'll make note of it. Anybody like that at all? Let's stand together. <coughs> How are you doing on the spiritual thermometer? As you grow, you see things that you, you condoned in your life that now you understand are not right. You see things in your life that you thought were that you thought that it wasn't important for you to do, and you're like, you know what? I want to do the right. I want to be known as a person that, that tries to be honest and tries to live in a righteous way. The piano's gonna play. If God spoke to you at all, why don't you come? Why don't you come and do business with God?